Just when it seemed we were getting it under control earlier this year, COVID-19 came back with a vengeance this summer. And along with the ongoing debates over masks and vaccines, a new source of controversy has emerged, ivermectin. Ivermectin is a drug often used to treat parasites in animals, but there are some who believe it, in it as an antidote to COVID-19, despite the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's warnings against using it in this way. Hi, I'm Dave Perosik, Metro Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, hosting this week's edition of the Know the News podcast. Our health reporter, Janelle Jessen, is working on a story all about ivermectin, which you'll be able to read this weekend. It's a hot topic for sure, especially here in Northwest Arkansas. Just a few days ago, Washington County drew national attention when it was revealed that some inmates at the Washington County Detention Center had been treated for COVID with ivermectin. One of the people Janelle spoke to for her story is Dr. Marty Sharkey, public health officer for the city of Fayetteville, and she joins me today on the podcast. Hi there, Dr. Sharkey. Good morning. Thank you for being our guest here today. Um, there's a lot of COVID-related news this week in our neck of the woods, not the least of which is the news that the Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue Festival that had been scheduled for mid-September was postponed on Thursday for reasons related to COVID. And I uh, want to discuss that in just a minute. But um, first, I want to ask you about this ivermectin. Uh, as I said, this is a drug. There certainly are legitimate reasons for humans to use ivermectin. Um, wh what can you tell us about that? So yes, ivermectin is approved for humans to treat parasitic infections, uh, mainly in the intestinal um, tract, but also it is used to treat river blindness, which fortunately, that's one thing we are dealing with here in Northwest hmm. Arkansas, um, as well as in a topical formulation um, for different dermatologic conditions. So it is safe um, in approved doses and FDA approved for treatment of those illnesses. And can you recall how ivermectin became, um, uh, for lack of a better word, popular to use as a treatment for COVID-19? And where did that originate? And what, yes. is your, what are your thoughts on that? Yes. So let's, let's dig a little bit into the science of it. So there was a study um, that showed that ivermectin in beef, Vitro, so in a petri dish, inhibited the SARS-CoV-2 um, growth for up to 48 hours when ivermectin was exposed to the virus at very high concentrations. The concentrations that inhibited 50% of COVID growth, which is kind of our cutoff in studies for what we think might then be useful in vivo, was 30 five times higher than the maximum plasma concentration that you get after you ingest the proper dosage of ivermectin. So that being said, it would take extraordinarily high lethal doses of ivermectin to do that in the human body. 
so that's kind of where it came from, this, this laboratory-based study that said, okay, ivermectin does inhibit the viral growth, but it was in very high, high concentrations. And that has since led to, to some human trials. Um, and there are some ongo- ongoing, but one of the very first studies that was published, uh, human trials, a large trial out of Egypt that showed some success with ivermectin in treating COVID-2. However, that study was since retracted due to concerns of plagiarisms and problem with the raw data. It was never fully published. It was just a preprint publication. And one of the problems was is that a third of the patients that were supposedly in the trial were already dead from COVID-19 on the date that the researchers started enrolling people, patients in their trial. So, so some real concerns there. Hmm. And then that study um, was used as a part, part of two meta-analyses um, looking at COVID-19 in humans. And those studies have not been retracted, even though they're based on this prior study in Egypt. So that, that's kind of the, the scientific background there. Um, so I'll, I'll pause and let you hmm. ask a, a question about that, because that was a lot of information. Sure. And, and good information. Um, yeah. And uh, as I mentioned earlier um, about the Washington County Detention Center, um, we learned this week that the state medical board is investigating the use of ivermectin there. Uh, the doctor behind this is uh, Dr. Robert Karras. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, in a statement he released Thursday, the doctor said he has prescribed ivermectin to his patients at his clinics since late last year. He said, and I quote, in my medical judgment, weighing the known risks and side effect profile of ivermectin against the potential benefits supports the administration of ivermectin, which we obtained from a licensed pharmacist in dosages and compounds formulated for humans to COVID-19 patients. He goes on to say, quote, I do not have the luxury of conducting my own clinical trial or study and am not attempting to do so. I am on the front line of trying to prevent death and serious illness. I am proud of our track record in both of my clinics and at the jail in particular, where not one single patient of the 500 plus who have followed our plan of care has been hospitalized, intubated, or died. He further urged people to get vaccinated for COVID and warned them against any self-medication. Um, Dr. Sharker, do you have any response you want to give to those words from Dr. Garris? Yes, I have no no reason to, to question um, his data um, and the success that he, he reports. However, um, ivermectin is not approved either full FDA approval or under emergency use authorization to treat COVID-19. And that's point number one. Number two is that there are ongoing studies looking at this. And once we have the data that shows or doesn't show that it is effective, then we will, we will have the answer to this question. In the meantime, however, 
we do know that Regeneron, the monoclonal antibody, is very effective at preventing hospitalizations um, and deaths due to COVID-19. And it does have emergency use authorization from the FDA. So we have a treatment that is being used um, with FDA approval, not, not full approval, but emergency use that we know is effective. So I would encourage patients to, I mean, hopefully you don't get COVID-19 and and are not in this situation, but Regeneron is, is proven effective and is approved. The other big news this week, of course, at least for the Fayetteville area, which came out late Thursday, late last night, Thursday, was the postponement of the Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue, mm-hmm. which had been scheduled for the um, uh, third weekend, I believe, of September. And the University of Arkansas, which had previously agreed to let Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue use some of its space, some of its uh, parking lot, uh, decided Thursday it would be in the best interest of the community to terminate that agreement based on levels of COVID in the area. Um, you and the Board of Health uh, pushed for at least a postponement here. Uh, you're, I'm interested in your reaction to the decision announced Thursday. Uh, I, I feel very relieved. Um, the typically Washington Regional does staff an extra trauma care team during bikes, blues, and barbecue. Um, because unfortunately, we see motorcycle accidents and, and the occasional fatality during that weekend here in Northwest Arkansas. We don't have the manpower. Washington Regional does not have the manpower right now to staff a second trauma team. Moreover, they're already doing everything they can to treat current patients, um, COVID and non-COVID alike, and are, are stretched thin. We add even 10 more patients to their workload, um, and it really could put our healthcare system at risk. You know, what then happens to one of our citizens that is having a heart attack, and there are no ambulances to pick them up? Or there is an ambulance, but when they get to the emergency room, there's no no beds. Um, we just don't have the luxury right now to invite any potential more hospitalizations in our area. We need to do be doing everything we can to stay out of the emergency room and stay out of the hospital in every way possible. Another concern I have, and I don't think that this one's been adequately addressed, and I'd like to bring it to your listeners' attention, is that we're critically short of blood. Trauma victims would need, they need a lot of blood transfusions, that's part of it. Um, we, we don't have that extra blood supply either. So I would encourage everybody that's listening to, if you're a blood donor or you have not been yet, this would be an excellent time to, to go do, donate some blood. Well, that's a good point. Um, and where would people go if, I mean, at least in the Fayetteville area, um, maybe yeah. you can tell us where. Yeah, so I recommend Blood Center of the Ozarks, which is up in Springdale. Blood Center of the Ozarks is the only 
um, entity that supplies blood to our local hospitals. Um, Red Cross does wonderful work. However, you donate blood to the Red Cross, that blood leaves our area. Um, so if you want to be to help out your fellow citizens here in Northwest Arkansas, Bloods through the Ozarks is where you would donate your blood. Gotcha. Great. Um, so while that um, uh, bike exposing barbecue announcement was coming down, there was also a Fayetteville school board meeting Thursday night, um, <laughs> as covered by our education reporter, Mary Jordan, whose story on the matter published Friday, by the way. Um, and as has been the case at many a school board meeting nationally uh, recently, there were a lot of people wanting to discuss masks. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, Fayetteville School District is among those that imposed a mask mandate for staff and students uh, to start the school year anyway. Um, and you are among those who uh, not only attended but also spoke at the meeting. Um, could you describe the atmosphere there last night? Um, the atmosphere was very calm and very respectful. Um, as, you know, it was kind of like the, the airing of grievances, um, but it was very, very calm and respectful. And, you know, Fayetteville is a small community. Um, many of the people that spoke um, opposing the mask guidelines were friends and patients of mine. Um, so it was, it was not... It was not toxic. It was not ugly. It was not any of those things that we've seen elsewhere um, in the country. So I'm very proud of our city city for the way and our school board for the way it was handled last night. And, and what were some of what were the main of those who spoke spoke out against masks? Um, can you um, summarize their objections? And yes, um, so. I, kind of fell into three categories. So number one was people whose um, children had a medical exemption um, for mask wearing and that had not been um, approved by the school yet. And there seems like there's just some kind of red tape and some things that need to be kind of cleaned up as far as that process. Um, which I have full confidence that the school board will address and correct. Um, number two were those that just didn't feel that masks were effective, even though we have plenty of studies and science that shows that they are. Um, and then the, the third were people who felt that masks were just um, restricted their freedom. So there, you know, it was, it was medical, it was political, it was, you know, all the things we've seen. Um, but those were the three, three main categories that, that were speaking um, against the mask. And what did you tell the board? I was really just there to thank them for their leadership and for protecting our citizens, because by decreasing spread of COVID-19 in our schools, we're not just protecting our children, and I'm a pediatrician, um, so I do not want to see any more illness among our pediatric patients than we already are. So protecting our children also protects our community. Um, diseases, respiratory diseases in particular, tend to spread in schools first and then to 
the wider community later. We didn't see that so much with the original strain of COVID because it wasn't in infecting the children at the same rate, but the Delta variant is. Um, so it's acting a little bit more, um, I hate to use to ever compare to the flu, but it, it, it's acting a little bit more as far as the way it's spreading, um, more like the flu in that kids are transmitting it to adults now. We did not see that before. Um, so by preventing the spread within the schools, we're preventing wider spread of COVID-19 in our community. So they're helping to keep not just the school system healthier, but our community as well. And I wanted to thank them for that. And as a pediatrician, um, I assume you've seen some some patients with COVID. Yes. And is it? I mean, how many more than a year ago at this time? A year ago, um, it's a substantial increase, I would say. And the ones that are sick with it, this go around are more sick. Um, most of my patients with it last summer were pretty mild illnesses, if they were sick at all, um, except for a case or two of the inflammatory condition that you've heard about. I had had a few cases of that. Um, but now it's really a more severe respiratory illness um, in, the, in the children, and we're starting to see that you know, as we've seen reported, you know, more more children in the hospital at Arkansas Children's Northwest. And unfortunately, we've had to send some of our sicker, um, more sick pediatric patients, life flight to Little Rock to be taken care of there because Arkansas Children's Northwest does not have a pediatric ICU. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. Um, what's your just general feeling about covid in in the area right now and what the, the status of you know, just the way it's spread and and how we're how would you eva evaluate or trying to combat it um i think we're doing everything that we can right now to combat it um i wish that we had a few more tools in our tool belt um to combat it. I wish that we could um, go back to limiting capacity um, and doing a few more things to help bring our cases down because our healthcare workers are, are at the end of their rope. Um, they are so exhausted, so tired, and their hospitals are just as full. Even though we aren't having another record-breaking day, the numbers are still just as high and have been for weeks. Um, so these these doctors and nurses are working double shifts, they're long shifts, and they're they're in addition to the physical exhaustion, the mental and emotional exhaustion of watching patient after patient die despite everything they do is just, you know, doing a number to their physical health and their mental health. And so I'm very worried about the long-term fallout of this. You know, how we already have a shortage of nurses. Where are we going to be at, at the end of this? Um, so 
we just need to keep doing everything that we possibly can to to control the spread and make sure that we have a healthcare system today and tomorrow to care for us. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, is there anything else that you want to say on the topic, or any of these topics? Um, I just want to really encourage people not to self-medicate um, with the veterinary um, formulations of ivermectin. They are not intended for human use. They are very concentrated, very high doses. Um, the Poison Control Center has seen a five-fold increase um, from, from pre-pandemic baseline in calls about ivermectin overdoses. And it's mainly been with people self-medicating with, with the veterinary formulations of ivermectin. So I please go with the things that we know work. We know that vaccines help prevent hospitalization and death due to COVID. We know that Regeneron helps keep people out of the hospitals and dying. So please, please go with the, the ways that we know work. Um, and we will be watching the, the phase three clinical trials going on on ivermectin. And if it ends up being a wonder drug, then we will start using it. But right now we don't have any indication that that is going to be the case. And we're watching, continuing to watch the science. We covered a lot of ground there in a short amount of time. Dr. Sharkey, I really appreciate your time and I know you're busy and um, uh, hope you uh, uh, have a great weekend. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I really enjoy being able to dig deeper into the topics um, versus uh, short little sound bites or a sentence. So this is a good way to get a lot of information out. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do so. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Take care. As mentioned earlier, Janelle Jessen's story on ivermectin runs this weekend. That's just one of the great stories we have coming for you th this weekend. Uh, let me briefly tell you about a few more. Uh, Benville residents have an opportunity to weigh in on what they want their downtown parks to look like. Benville reporter Mike Jones will bring us a story on the Parks and Recreation Department's Quilt of Parks plan, which includes big change revolving around the downtown Dave Peel Park. City of Springdale and Johnson employees are working to restore 46 acres surrounding the Johnson lift, lift station to its natural state, hoping to improve water quality and enhance the habitat for wildlife. Lorinda Jenks, our Springdale reporter, will have that story as well. Meanwhile, in the River Valley, Fort Smith uh, may not be Arkansas's second largest city anymore, having been passed by Fayetteville in the 2020 census. But Fort Smith officials believe the city is poised for much more growth in the decade ahead than it saw in the past decade. Max Bryan, one of our reporters in our Fort Smith Bureau, is working on that story for us for the weekend. And here's something fun for all of you. Check out a new Sunday feature we're launching in our profile section. section. It's called Local Flavors, where we ask some of our local Northwest Arkansas celebrities to share recipes for their favorite comfort food. 
We're starting with Riley Nicholson, Executive Director of the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, who says popcorn made the old school way goes perfectly with red wine. By the way, we're going to alternate this feature every Sunday with Laura Hightower's My Favorite Things feature, in which we ask designing locals to share their favorite collections or spaces in their homes. And we always welcome your ideas for either of these features. So if you have one, just email features editor Becca Martin at bmartin at nwadg.com. Sports fans, high school football is back. And in Saturday's edition, our veteran sports reporters will have all the coverage your little pigskin hearts desire from ball fields across northwest Arkansas. Well, that's going to do it for this week's Know the News podcast. I hope you'll check us out this weekend for all the stories I just mentioned, plus all the other great stuff we bring you in the paper every day. You can find us at nwaonline.com in our Northwest Arkansas Democratic Gazette replica apps for both smartphone and tablet. Thank you to all subscribers out there. Thanks for making it possible to tell your stories and keep you informed about your community. If you're not a subscriber, we hope you'll check us out. Uh, just click on the subscribe button at nwaonline.com or call us at 479-684-5509. And if you like the Know the News podcast, subscribe by hitting the subscribe button on your device right now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, this is Dave Perosic signing off for Know the News. Have a great one.